Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. I just got a note from Eric Erickson. He's an occasional guest spot on CNN. He's at redstate.com, and he's right about something here. He said, mark the date. It isn't going to be long before moderate Republicans start going on television to push the notion that guns are hurting Republicans with independent voters and women. You may recognize that voice. My friend passed away two years ago today, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be, literally would not be doing the job I'm doing but for him. Uh, He was not just a friend, he was a real mentor. In the course of my career, I spent a lot of time trading notes with Rush Limbaugh on how to do radio. You know, Rush uh, very famously refused to allow his show on satellite radio. He did not want to um, harm local radio stations. He They viewed it as a threat at the time, and he, he wanted nothing to do with it. He he liked radio. I, I, I swear to you people, I sometimes think I'm the last person in radio who wants to be a radio show host instead of a podcaster who happens to be on radio. I, I The here and the now, the immediate news, the, the things that you can't get next week by listening to a podcast, that's the stuff I like to cover, the news of the day and, and how to think about it, what's actually happening, the truth of it, the real truth, not what either side says, but the who, what, where, when, why, and how. Who's saying what that's not true? Being able to, to talk about it in a way, in a relatable way. I don't want to be a character. I don't want to pretend to be something I'm not. I got a lot of advice from Rush Limbaugh, even in, in the weeks before he died. Uh, all the way back to I, I think we first met in 2005 or 2006. Uh, and we, we then met in person. We got together several times in person over the years. We chatted on the phone. We've chatted uh, a lot by text and by email. Back in 2015, when I uninvited Donald Trump from my gathering in Atlanta because of his Megyn Kelly comments, I, I, I would do it again. People always ask me, would you do it again? No, would you do it? I'd have probably handled it slightly differently, but yeah, I, I would have done it. I, I, I thought it was disrespectful and a disservice to the other candidates there uh, and overshadow them and would force them to have to answer for him when they wanted their, their moment to shine. And Rush reached out very quickly. He understood the dynamic. He understood the audience way more than I did at the time. And he said, what I needed to understand immediately is if I had not started building a relationship with my audience, I needed to build a relationship with my audience and trust the audience that I put my trust in them. They put their trust in me. And the way I did that is do not, and he's told me this more than once in my career, do not get captured by your audience. Do not get captured by your audience. You have to be able to tell your audience things and give them room and license with which to disagree with you while still liking you. And you do that by being authentic with them, by by being who you really are, by not being a character. Because particularly when you're on radio, more so than television, 
inauthenticity comes through. The medium is very intimate. I've mentioned this before when I go to restaurants, particularly in Atlanta where my flagship station is, where I've been on the radio the longest. But it's happening more and more in different places. It's, it happened this weekend, uh, this week when I was in Charleston, South Carolina. Happens when we go to Hilton Head. I, I've got listers now more and more around the country. But in Atlanta, if I face the crowd, if I go to a restaurant and I sit down, I used to always have my back to people and now I have my face to people because if they see my face and they hear my voice, they have a harder time figuring out who I am. They think they know me. But when my back's to them and they just hear my voice, they immediately know who I am. And through my voice, because of the intimacy of the medium, they have a sense of my emotions. And the audience are really have pretty good BS detectors. And they're really good at knowing when you're just doing a bit, when you're pretending to be someone, when you're not authentic. And that was something that over the years Rush pushed me on very much is to be as transparent and not transactional with the audience, to at least have a sense of who I am so that if a moment came where I did want to disagree with the audience and not be captured by the audience, I could do that without having the audience run away from me. And that came to be in 2016 when the overwhelming majority of my audience supported Donald Trump, and I did not, very vocally did not. I lost some listeners, some of whom to this day hate my guts some of whom send hate mail at every opportunity, leave nasty comments on social media and the like. But because I was transparent, I was pretty grounded in who I was, including my faith. I I explained why I was taking the position I was taking, and I realized my audience might disagree with me, and we would find other things to find common ground on. My audience actually grew. I believe I am the last remaining local talk show host in the country who did not support Trump in 2016 and kept his job. Not only did I keep my job, uh, but I got a contract extension after that through the Trump years. And as of last week, I've signed a new contract extension for another three years on radio in Atlanta. And we'll have more to say on national stuff here shortly. My audience grew because I wasn't going to BS them. My audience grew even though they disagreed with me. My audience held strong and demographically got a little younger in the process. Because I took Rush Limbaugh's advice to not be captured by the audience, don't tell my audience what I think they want to hear. Tell them what I think and allow them room to disagree with me. I say all of this because it's the unavoidable conversation of the day. The litigation between Fox News and Dominion Voter Systems. Fox claims this is a fight for free speech. Dominion says it was slandered. Newly disclosed messages and testimony from some of the biggest stars and most senior executives at Fox News revealed that they privately expressed disbelief about President Trump's false claims that the 2020 election was stolen from him, even though the network continued to promote many of those lies on the air. 
The hosts, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram, as well as others at the company, repeatedly insulted and mocked Trump advisors, including Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. In text messages with each other in the weeks after the election, according to a legal filing on Thursday by Dominion Voting Systems, Dominion is suing Fox for defamation. Sidney Powell is lying, by the way. I caught her. It's insane, Mr. Carlson wrote to Ms. Ingram. Ms. Ingram responded, Sidney is a complete nut. No one will work with her. Ditto with Rudy. Mr. Carlson continued, our viewers are good people and they believe it. The messages also show that such doubts extended to the highest levels of the Fox Corporation with Rupert Murdoch, its chairman, calling Mr. Trump's voter fraud claims really crazy stuff. On one occasion, as Mr. Murdoch watched Mr. Giuliani and Ms. Powell on television, he told Suzanne Scott, chief executive of Fox, quote, terrible stuff damaging everybody, I fear. It makes for interesting reading. And there's this. The brief shows that Fox News stars and executives were afraid of losing their audience, which started to defect to the conservative cable news alternatives, Newsmax and OAN, after Fox News called Arizona for Mr. Biden. And they seemed concerned with the impact that would have on the network's profitability. On November 12th, in a text chain with Ms. Ingram and Mr. Hannity, Mr. Carlson pointed to a tweet in which a Fox reporter, Jackie Heinrich, fact-checked a tweet from Mr. Trump referring to Fox broadcasts and said there was no evidence of voter fraud from Dominion. Please get her fired, Mr. Carlson said. He added, it needs to stop immediately like tonight. It's measurably hurting the company. The stock price is down. Not a joke. Ms. Heinrich has deleted her tweet by the next morning. They were scared of losing audience. And so they weren't willing to tell people on camera what they thought behind camera. I have a number of friends involved in the story, quoted in the story, their text messages, their information. It's sad to see that people at Fox were largely forced out of the company for having played it straight. There but by the grace of God go I. The president of the network, Jay Wallace, has quoted at one point in the documents from Dominion Voter Systems criticizing former Fox business host Lou Dobbs, one of the biggest megaphones for Mr. Trump's lies about the election. Quote, the North Koreans do a more nuanced show than Mr. Dobbs. Y'all, we don't always agree. I don't expect us to agree on everything. But I don't fear losing you because you're not mine, if that makes sense. My job is to keep you entertained, to keep you company, to keep you informed, to keep you more knowledgeable than the other people in your circle of friends, to give you facts so that you can think for yourself. What's so frustrating to me is I feel like a man on an island doing this, and I'm just taking Rush Limbaugh's advice. I'm not trying to do a bit. I'm not trying to be a character. I'm not trying to to be someone I'm not. I, I, I don't get behind the microphone. The lights come on, the curtain rises, the satellite connects, and suddenly I'm Eric Erickson, radio show talk show host. No, I'm, I'm the same guy on air that I am off air. 
I'm not a good enough actor. I tried theater when I was in school and I sucked. I'm just trying to tell you what I think. And I got a phone number if you want to call and disagree and we can hash it out. And, and I, I just, I firmly believe that Fox got so concerned about losing market share to a competitor that it got captured by his audience. And once you get captured by your audience, it's a dangerous thing to try to break free of it. Audience capture means that I don't tell you what I think, that I don't develop my show around what I think you should know, but I develop my show around what I think you want to hear and that I tell you what you believe, whether it's true or not. I personally think one day I'm accountable for lies I tell. A lot of people who listened to this program were convinced that the 2020 election was stolen. I came on the radio after it was over and I said it wasn't stolen. And I got unmitigated hell from a lot of people who listened to this program, some of whom no longer listen because they still believe it was, was stolen. I did an event last night for the Republican National Lawyers Association. And after it was over, one of the lawyers came up and was still mad at me about something I said 20 months ago had a bone to pick with me about things I said then that I was too demissive of claims. Some people can't let it go and some people won't listen. But I think the truth is more important. And I think there's a way to deliver truth without burning bridges with people or at least give them room to come back. I remember years ago in 2009, I was in the office of Bill Shine at Fox News. And Bill Shine told me Fox saw a real dip in its audience numbers after the 2008 election. That the audience was convinced that John McCain was going to win. That John McCain would beat Barack Obama. And the whole thing came done at the end. John McCain stepped aside. Remember, he suspended his campaign temporarily. He came back. He lost to Barack Obama. There was this sense afterwards he thought it was historic for him to lose to Barack Obama and have the first black president. And Fox's ratings dipped along with everything else, but they came back. They came back. My ratings dipped for a little bit, and they came back. And then they went up, and they stayed up. The moral of the story here should be we should stop playing characters and we should just tell you the truth. Our job should be to give you the truth. Make it entertaining. Make it informative. Uh, Capture you by telling you the news in a compelling way. But we shouldn't lie to you just to keep you with us because ultimately we're setting us and you up for failure. All of us should learn from this and do better. So my kid has a queen size bed. We've got a king size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets and he's used them. He had like kid sheets and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen size sheets and they got put in our closet and the kid was in despair. We got him bowl and branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer. And he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% 
organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bull and branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now, and uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress, too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed, and it fits. It doesn't, like, bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowl and Branch sheets when you use promo code ERIC at bowlandbranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. You know, welcome back, by the way. It's Eric Erickson here, and it, it is an open line Friday. Uh, you can call in 877-973-7425. You don't have to call in about stuff I want to talk about today. You can call in about stuff you want to talk about, but it's still got to be compelling. You can't just call in about garbage today. It's not one of those days. One of the one of the things that also has to be said about this lawsuit is Fox, like OAN and like Newsmax, they're facing multi-million dollar lawsuits from uh, Dominion Voter Systems Smart and Smartmatic. OAN uh, probably is out of business if it loses. Newsmax probably as well. Fox is the only one with the revenue stream to survive. And it didn't have to be that way. There were other ways to do it, including um, providing a broader perspective and also allowing the fact checks. The precipitating event for Fox was that it was the first network to call uh, Arizona. And to this day, there are people who attack Fox for calling Arizona. And um, I know some of you don't believe it, but Arizona wasn't stolen and actually Joe Biden won it. And Fox got punished for being right. Bill Sammons was forced out of Fox after that. Bill Sammons, I know. Um, And one of the things Bill Sammons said uh, when was pushed on this and was criticized internally for allowing the, the call to go forward about Arizona and about the coverage of some of the fact-checking reporters, one of the things Bill Salmon said was, it's remarkable how weak ratings make good journalists do bad things. I mean, we see that on CNN and MSNBC on a regular basis. You don't have to lie to the audience, and you shouldn't lie to the audience, because ultimately you've built up a lot of trust with the audience, And you don't want that trust to go away. And trust can erode overnight when it takes years to build up the trust. Uh, you got to give yourself room to disagree. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, you are more than welcome to call in. And it is an open line Friday. We're happy to have you about other topics besides what I'm going to talk about. I will begin with Barbara. Welcome to the show. 
Hey, Eric. How are you today? Good. How are you? Um, good. Um, I want to talk about your view on social media and kids. I okay. agree that we need to get our kids uh, changed on social media, but I think it's more important that we not get them off of it, but we change their relationship with it. The thing about social media is that brain development, it lights up the pleasure center of the brain. And so one of the things that parents really need to think about is how to get kids to think about lighting up that area in a different way. And one of the ways to do that is with multiple intelligence. Um, I used to teach a class for parents on how to talk to their kids about changing lighting up that area by creating activities that they really get into to light their brains up in a different way. And so um, I think it's important that parents uh, really help their kids find different ways to light up the pleasure center of the brain by finding out where their brains light up the best. And the best way to do that is through multiple intelligence. Okay, so let's let's talk about this a little further. So we we want their brains to light up in other ways. Um, what are some of the activities then uh, that you would recommend parents think about? Well, first of all, Scholastic has a really great tool called the Multiple Intelligence Inventory, and if they go on, and then they there's nine different ways um, to do that, and then. What they find out is, you know, maybe their child is really into spatial things. So maybe artistic, uh, photography, different things. It's going to be different. Every child is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And then getting them involved in activities that help them to um, do those kinds of activities. So, for instance, maybe, you know, getting them involved in art classes. So they know that art classes really spark their kids' interest. And then they get involved in art classes with other kids and find things that they're really interested in and connect with other kids while they're doing activities that light up their brain. Um, like I said, I taught a class for parents on how to do that. And I'd be really interested in helping you, helping doing something like, you know, you do with your bourbon class, uh-huh. or maybe doing a, a, a me, Eric class uh, on how to <laughs> talk about that so yeah, you that know, would look, be something fun to do well i i gotta tell you um i i, I don't disagree with anything you're saying and unfortunately uh, for you and for me uh, a lot of parents and i'm guilty of it sometimes as well thrust the screen in front of our kids and, and let it be a babysitter and that's part of the problem i i, I gotta tell you i'm a little bit disappointed barbara because i was hoping your suggestion was going to be like electroshock collars that the moment they turn on Twitter, they get shocked and, and they drop the phone. And, and of course, then, then we, we run the risk of having a, a nation of kids into all sorts of deviant behaviors when they grow up. That, but <laughs> I should leave that alone. But the, I, I, it's like like the, the shock collar on the dog. They, they bark, they get shocked. When, when the kid turns on Instagram, and they're gone. And, and suddenly they relate getting on social media to pain. And I, I'm joking, obviously, people. I'm joking. Um, that is, it, it's an interesting, um, way to divert them. And, and I do wish, and, and Barbara, thank you for the phone call. I, I really do wish that people would encourage their kids to pursue those sorts of interests that, um, spark their interest in their mind. We've, 
I, I, this is not a pat on the back because we, we haven't done it perfectly, but we've tried to do that with our kids over time. Um, my daughter really, really wants to go to Tech uh, and Georgia Tech and uh, trying to get her involved in summer programs at Georgia Tech. And my son really like, is interested in computers and trying to get him to do computer programming and things like that. Uh, there's, there's a place near me called Vision Computer, and I'm going to have to have them build a gaming PC for my kid at some point as a reward in, in large part because he's really getting into programming and now he's at the point he wants to um he wants to develop game models and things like that for for gaming and I, I, I gotta get him a gaming PC and I, I need to go to this company to to because I'm I'm a Mac guy and I, I know that to get a gaming PC, he needs a, a actual like knowledgeable team of people to put it together for him. Other, I mean, I just know get the biggest GPU card and stuff like that. But uh, he, so we're trying to even with technology steer them in ways to be able to do that. And and I I wish parents and I realize that and sometimes it, because you're working so much, it, it's hard. But I'm more and more regretful that we allowed our kids to have access screens and we've controlled what they do with it and stuff, but. It can still kind of be their companion when I wish other things were. All right, back to the phones. Lewis, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Eric. Um, the deal with uh, East Palestine, Ohio, I, I really had to scratch my head. Uh, the railroad and the trucking are almost neck and neck with regulations. Uh, I'm really surprised someone recommended lighting that chemical on fire because what you had after that was just complete fallout from whatever was burning, it should have been a containment ring around that and then a, some kind of absorbent and then dug up. You would not have had any problems with the water whatsoever. So now, uh, since they lit it on fire and they've got all this stuff going, uh, now the homeowner, if you want to sell a house in that area, you're going to have to have a soil test to make sure that your house was not contaminated with anything that was in those uh, hazardous rail cars. And then if you had to have it cleaned up, the, the homeowner's going to have to pay for that. That can't be passed on to the next owner. And rail car, I understand it was 151, and that's 51 too many. A railroad, you're not only supposed to have no more than 100 car rail cars. Otherwise, you'll pull them apart. And... Uh, there are just some really unusual yeah, and, circumstances. And look, there, I, I am. I'm. I'm told by um, a, a number of issues, a number of people that there were a number of additional issues, including uh, overheating on the tracks and stuff. That the Biden administration is essentially blaming the braking system and saying, "Well, Trump rolled back the regulation," and it's a little bit of a distraction. It's it's a little bit of a distraction by the Biden administration to blame this all on Trump and say it was Trump's fault because um, we're not a hundred percent sure on all of the, the causes and and there's a growing consensus uh, that it, it actually wasn't breaking there was another problem and the breaking wouldn't have mattered uh, given the way the rest of the issue was handled. Um, I, it, it's excuse making, and, and this gets me into something. Um, those of you on the phones, be patient with me. I, I want to make this point. Pete Buttigieg said something he should not have said, but I'm glad he said it. Pete Buttigieg 
went on television and largely said that this railroad uh, derailing in Ohio has unfortunately gotten too much attention. Yes, this this railroad derailment got too much attention. Listen to Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation. Uh, look, rail safety is something that uh, uh, that has evolved a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha- has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. Uh, look, rail that's that's the Secretary of Transportation admitting that under his watch, a thousand trains a year derail. That's the Secretary of Transportation for Joe Biden say that this train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, has unfortunately gotten too much attention. The sad reality is that there are a thousand trains that derail a year, three a day, under his watch as Secretary of Transportation. That That's Pete Buttigieg saying it. That's not me saying it. That's Pete Buttigieg. And they've rushed out to say that uh, this is Trump's fault. The Biden administration wants you to believe that because the Trump administration repealed a rule on pneumatic brakes for trains that the Obama administration put into place, that he is to blame for these train derailments, which according to the Secretary of Transportation, happen three times a day every day of the year. What is remarkable is that these trains waited to jump the tracks until Donald Trump was gone and Joe Biden was in charge. These trains, like Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine, needed Joe Biden in the White House, and yet somehow it's Donald Trump's fault. That's the position of the Biden administration. There was another train that derailed yesterday in Michigan. We've now had one in Houston, one in South Carolina, one in East Palestine, Ohio, one in Michigan. They say it's not sabotage. And by the way, I don't think it's sabotage, but how can we believe them? Let's go back to the Chinese balloon. They lied and said they didn't notice it until it got to the Aleutian Islands. Now we know that they watched it from liftoff. They lied and said they couldn't shoot it down over land. They had to wait for it to traverse the whole United States and get on onto the Atlantic before they could shoot it down. Then they shot down three, two of which were over land. Then they told us that there was no reason to shoot down the balloon. And then they started shooting down all these other balloons. Then they told us it happened under the Trump administration, but no one knew until the Biden administration. And then they told us, actually, this is a novel situation that hasn't happened before. They rushed to blame Donald Trump and then whisper the truth a week later. So they rush out and say, it's not sabotage, it's Donald Trump. How can we be sure? I actually do believe them that it is not sabotage. I actually do believe Pete Buttigieg is just such a crappy secretary of transportation. He has allowed our systems to be degraded and can't do anything except blame Donald Trump. I think gross incompetence and neglect is far easier to blame than sabotage. Although a bunch of eco-fascists have been sabotaging train tracks in this country in the last number of years over oil and gas. In Washington State in 2020, sabotage happened. Uh, Two years ago, in 2021, a sabotage happened in Arizona. 
because trains were hauling oil and gas. But they were very quick to rule it out in this case. And normally I would believe them. Uh, there are, under Pete Buttigieg's tenure, a thousand trains derail every year in this United States under Pete Buttigieg's tenure as Secretary of Transportation. He admitted it himself. But they lie so much. I totally understand the people who can't yet say it's not sabotage because maybe it is. They've lied so much. How can we believe them? If they would just tell us the truth instead of blaming Donald Trump for everything, uh, it wouldn't be a problem. But they would rather blame Donald Trump than admit to their own incompetencies. Again, again, on Yahoo News, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, admitted that under his watch, a thousand trains a year, three a day, derail. But somehow that's Donald Trump's fault. Just like Putin invading Ukraine was Donald Trump's fault. Only the trains didn't derail and Putin didn't invade until Joe Biden was president. I guess to the degree it's Trump's fault, it's because he lost in 2020. Now, you're losers in the economy because of Joe Biden. The stock market's crazy. Inflation is crazy. Uh, it's something you got to keep up with. And one of the people who want to help you keep up with it is Advantage Gold. They're TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row now. They've got the best prices, the best staff, the best IRA department in the country. They're ready to help you protect your retirement. They're ready to help you protect your investments. They're ready to help you build a hedge against inflation. They can do it. You get a free gold IRA investment kit from them. All you got to do is call them, 800-450-2566. They can answer your questions. And this is what I love about Advantage Gold. There are no gimmicks here. They're not going to do a hard sell on you. They're not going to twist your arm. They really believe that if they just answer your questions, they educate you on the issues, that you're going to be sold on using them if you are at all interested in using precious metals. And again, they're TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. They got the best staff. They got the best prices. They've got the best advice. 800-450-2566. That's 800 800- Four five zero two five six six. Don't sit idly by with the stock market and its wild swings, with inflation still on the rampage more than they thought it was going to be. Don't let it destroy your savings. Call Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the daily email by texting the word DATA to 33777 and get a 15% discount off a full year subscription. You get the stack of stuff, the show notes, it makes you smarter than all the people around you and gives you all the latest commentary, videos, podcasts, interviews, discounts, things like that. Text the word data to 33777. Let's go to Cindy. Cindy, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. I'll be quick. I just wanted to say thank you so much for being so insightful and telling us all sides of the story because it's really helped me passing on information to other members of my family that don't have access to your show for one or may have different points of view that way i can say well there's this, you know he quoted this he quoted that and i can give them the sources and i also have one real quick question about fox news and they're being sued um is that why they have the spinoff of fox nation no, that's not. Um, so what Fox Nation is, is is every media company out there decided it needed a streaming service. And essentially what Fox Nation was, was ex- they could do online experiments on Fox Nation, 
see what gained traction on Fox Nation and have a a um, backup team, a farm team of shows to fill in on the weekends on Fox News. That's kind of how it came about. Um, the, the, the Some uh, cable companies have, I think I've read, they're taking like Fox Nation, putting it on other channels as well. It's kind of different materials beyond just what's on the news channel. You know, on Fox on the weekends and late nights, they have kind of non-news programming, uh, cultural commentaries and the like. And Fox Nation allows them to build their farm team online, allows them to house talent, and also allows the talent who's on TV who have extra ideas a place to take their projects without having to worry about trying to leave Fox. So that's what it is. It, It didn't have anything to do with Wall Street. It came out well before that. And it's kind of their experiment in streaming, and it's taken off. I know a lot of people who watch uh, Fox Nation product. 877-973-7425 is the radio phone number. It is an open line Friday if you want to call in. Don Lemon is not at work today. Now, he says that a uh, previously scheduled trip to Miami. That's the spin here, a previously scheduled day off. It's funny how people in the TV news do things and aren't there the next day, and it's always, always a previously scheduled day off. Don Lemon, of course, yesterday said women are past their prime once they get out of their 40s. They're really in their prime in their 20s and 30s. He was specifically referencing Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley talking about 75-year-old politicians are not in their prime. And Don Lemon said Nikki Haley at 51 years old is not in her prime. And his female hosts, uh, co-hosts were outraged, one of whom walked off the set. She's in her 40s. He doubled down on it, refused to apologize, and cited Google. He's come out and apologized for offending women. He has not apologized to Nikki Haley for calling her pastor Brian. He has specifically not apologized to the woman he was insulting. He just apologized generally to women. And he is not at TV today at CNN. I don't think Chris Licht understood what he was getting with Don Lemon.